One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the Forever 35 podcast, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I'm Kate Spencer. And I am Dori Shafrir. And we are not experts. We are not, but we're two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. And a friendly reminder, just some, you know, business before we get the show on the road. Our website's forever35podcast.com with links to everything we mention found there. Our Instagram is Forever 35 Podcast. You can find us on Facebook groups at Forever 35. Our favorite products can be found at shopmy.us slash forever35. We also send a newsletter out every couple of weeks. At You can find that at forever35podcast.com slash newsletter. Whew, okay. Ooh. There's more. There is more. You can call or text us at 781-591-0390. And you can email us at forever35podcast at gmail.com. Kate, we are a mere two weeks away from our live show. Oh my gosh. I'm starting to get a little nervous. I mean... Like in a good way, you know? Yeah. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great. If you don't have your tickets yet, head over to moment.co slash forever35. One thing that I feel like We've only like mentioned in passing, but I do want to highlight is we're going to have some pretty good giveaways during the live show. Yeah, there's an interesting opportunity that has been handed to us to kind of give out a goodie or two. So we're very excited about that. We are. So moment.co slash forever35. We hope to see you there. And I do want to mention... Oh, I'm sorry, Dory. I did just want to mention also, if you're local to Los Angeles or you feel like coming in for the weekend, Dory and I will be playing pickleball together in the Deep Dive Bitch Sesh Mother's Day Weekend Pickleball Tournament. Oh, yeah. It's called the I'd Hit That Pickleball Tournament. It's on May 13th. We'll include a link where you can get tickets and come and cheer us on. And there's even a code for 15% off. That code is Kate slash Dory. Kate slash Dory, yep. Anything could happen. Anything could happen. We could win the entire tournament. We could lose in a landslide. <laughs> um, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. We do need to practice a little bit more, I think. Yes, yes, we do. Let's we'll schedule that off the air. But I will say Okay. Dory picked up pickleball in like two seconds. I've never seen anything like it. What, Kate? That is not true. No, I'm serious. Um, 
Well, thank you. I mean, I do play okay. tennis. So I know I my way around like- a racket. that you do i I, but i i don't think just because one knows how to play tennis necessarily means that translates to the old pickleball court but i felt like you really understood the nuances of the game very quickly it's very fun to watch you know like because we podcast together we don't like play sports together so it's always interesting to see like oh you're i forget that you're athletic and like you know it was fun just seeing your you like work it out very quickly and you know take on something new very very courageously thank you kate that's that's very kind um what i it was fun it was also fun to play with you so you know it's a party well get ready because we're going to be playing in a tournament and i get like uh, like a, a weird competitive rage inside me so that should be fun I really cannot wait to see this come out. I mean, as I explained to you, it's like I'm extremely competitive, but I'm ne- I've never been like especially skilled at sports, so I like mm. it, it's just kind of been like sitting there inside of me <laughs> my whole mm-hmm. life. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um I did want to just share with you and our podcast listeners, that my cholesterol has gone down. And you may recall that my cholesterol really kicked off what can only be described as a butter butter journey on this podcast, in which now, at least once a week, I receive some sort of DM about butter on my Instagram from folks because... I told you my cholesterol was high and you were like, I wonder what it is. And I was like, well, I do eat butter. And then, and I was like, you mean you you spread a lot of butter on things and you were like, no, I literally eat sticks (laughs) of butter. (laughs) I literally take out the butter, chop it up and just Uh, eat it. Like one might eat apple slices or cheese slices. Yeah. Well, interestingly enough, I got my blood work done and my cholesterol has gone down and my iron stores, which were like, frighteningly low have gone up. Mm. So I feel really optimistic about both of those things. Um, And I didn't really do many drastic changes. So what did you do? Well, I did. I did eat less butter for a long time, although I have have kind of been nibbling again. Um, I incorporated more fiber into my daily Mm. diet. Um, I started taking supplements like fish oil, um, really good iron supplements, vitamin D, vitamin B, NAC, a bunch of stuff. Um, and I also have stopped exercising as intensely and Mm. am trying to focus on rest, like really being more conscientious about rest. Um, so my exercise is more low impact, walking, hiking, yoga, pickleball, horseback riding. And I incorporated, I try to do like daily rest, you know, like five minutes of daily rest. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if any of that had any anything to do with it, um, but that was exciting to see. It was exciting to see. That's so cool. It was, very, it was really, it was great. It was exciting. I'm very happy for you. You know, thank you. 
thank you very much. Um, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to take care of myself in a loving mm-hmm. way, mm-hmm. in a loving, mm-hmm. tender way. Mm-hmm. As if I would, like, if I found a baby possum in my backyard. Oh. Yeah, I'm tending to my inner baby possum. <laughs> wow. Okay. 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 <laughs> That's what I've been up uh, to this week, is just nurturing myself. And also, I, I did want to also just give a product, like, like a soapbox product moment. Okay. And I'm going to pass the mic to you, but I did just want to say that the Casarex pimple patches are maybe one of the best skincare products I've ever used, period. This like, is interesting because I have found a pimple patch that I like better. What's your preferred patch? The Hero ones. You're a big Hero loyalist. I, I really like Hero's products. I'm not going to lie. I bought their sunscreen, actually. I bought a little mini one based on your recommendation. Okay, I haven't tried their pimple patches. You find that they work really well? Okay, so let me just get the name of this. They the have this one pimple patch okay. called Yes, okay. Called the Micropoint for blemishes. Ooh, okay. Okay. They describe it as the early stage blemish patch. Hmm. It's got little, they say, uh, 395 dissolving micropoints. It's like little prickly things that you put on when you feel the pimple coming out. And I have like never experienced anything like this before. (laughs) Seriously? Like you mean you've never experienced the sensation or the way it works? It works really well. It works really well. I... I just, I highly recommend it. Um, Kate, I will send you the link and you can see the, what the micro points look like. Okay, cool. And I think their regular ones are really good too. Um, and they come in like different sizes. Like I just, I don't know. I've, I, I think there's, I, I, I find their oh, pimple patches to be superior to COSRX, but your mileage may vary. Like you might be a COSRX person and I might just be a hero person. It's fine. I have just, I have just been shocked. Like uh, using only my face as an experiment. Anytime I get a pimple, like the kind with little white pus underneath, I will put one of those pimple patches on Mm -hmm, sleep mm -hmm. and that pimple uh, subsides. Like it's wild. I've, and I feel like I, I sometimes I'll be like, oh, this product, I can see a slight difference. But for whatever reason, these pimple patches are the only skincare product where I've ever been like blown away by like mm. the effectiveness. And I've tried those like yellow star pimple patches. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which I feel like the star face, I believe, is who makes them. And they didn't do anything. And I, they, they like look cute, but they didn't do anything. But these Cosrx ones, it's like magic it's wild so i will try your hero ones also because i really i I, i'm curious to hear what you think of them okay great i'm on it i'm on it great um well kate you know i have been in just an ongoing struggle with the amount of stuff in my home and I don't know if it was Casey Davis or some or like 
someone who made a comment on Facebook. Like, I don't even remember where I saw it, but someone was like, you deal with one room at a time. Mm. And it sounds so okay. obvious, but I realized that part of my issue was that I started thinking about everything in the house that needed to get done. And it was mm-hmm. so overwhelming that I couldn't even start. So I decided to start with Henry's playroom. Okay. Love that. Um, Partly because I was like, okay, this feels very manageable. It's not like it it's kept relatively clean and neat and like there's not that much to do. Um I started by like finally getting rid of some old toys that had been sitting in our hallway. I gave them away my buy nothing group. Um I got a new shelf, a big, a big one of those calyx shelves from IKEA with like the cubes like a cube shelf oh a calyx shelf those things have saved me in so many moments of my life yeah like like that shelf is a legend it's a workhorse for a reason you know and so yes it's great we built it today and put it in and like things already look so much neater like i realized how much stuff was just sort of like sitting in piles even in his playroom Mm-hmm. Um, there's still a little bit more to go. Um, there's also like a closet full of stuff that needs to be gone through, but like that has been good because I can like focus all my energy and you get these like little wins, you know, yeah. as you go. Um, it kind of reminded me of, and I, I do not like Dave Ramsey at all. I think he's, I'm not like, sure. Not Dave Ramsey. Is. He's a Hold financial on, just... expert who, like, okay, okay, people are obsessed with. But he's also uh, he's he has also been kind of problematic in some ways. Got um, it. got it. But he has this thing called I think he calls it the snowball way of paying off debt, which is you start with the smallest debt first. So, like, if you have like ten thousand dollars on one credit card and. 7,000 on another and then 500 on the other, you start with the $500 debt because you need that. It's like you need that win. You need to just like cross that one off. You know what I mean? I and that love was, that. And that was kind that. of how I'm feeling about the decluttering. Like I, I need the win of the playroom and then I can move on. You know what? That is really good advice that I've never really thought about, but it, it, I I tend to always try to tackle the giant thing. Yes, exactly. Same, same, same. Like as, as if that's going to be more of an accomplishment or something, right. but then it's, yeah. Right. But no, start with, story. start with the easiest one. Start with the one that needs the least help. Like and that get sounds that so one logical, done. but yeah. Wow, why have I never, I know. yes. Okay. But it's just, a, it's like advice. a little, it's like a little mind shift. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, yeah, okay, okay. So that's what I've been doing this week. Um, you know, he definitely has some more toys that need to be, I either need to like quietly get rid of them while he's at school <laughs> or, you know, I need to do it. Like there's, there's toys in his closet that he literally never plays with. And so mm. I just, you know it's like stuff like that but we're on our way we're on our way 
So that's what I've been up to this week. You know what? Congratulations. Like, it's so great to have a win. You know, mm-hmm. it's so, mm-hmm. it's so vital to get, mm-hmm. like, set, a, set ourselves up to have wins. Totally. You know, I think that's like such a gift for yourself because it can really make a freaking difference in how you feel sometimes. Yes, for sure. For sure. Hmm. (sighs) Winner, winner. Dory's here. Well, Kate, should we introduce our guest? Uh, Let's do it. We talked to Sarah Louise Peterson, author of the book. Mom fluenced, and it was a think fun about that for a second. <laughs> yeah, I know. Just love the word "mom fluenced" is so Let great. It sink so you, in. <laughs> you know how good this conversation is going to be. Um, so let's tell you a little bit about Sarah. Sarah's a writer. Her essays and articles have been featured in places like the New York Times, Harper's Bazaar, Glamour. She's a frequent contributor to the Washington Post, In Style. She's written for WBUR's Cognoscenti column, which is like my um, personal favorite NPR station of all time. So mm. I just want to shout that out. Um, and she has really become known for her momfluencer centric pieces. She has written about momfluencer culture for Romper, Refinery 29, Harper's Bazaar. She really knows the momfluencer scene. She does. She really Which is why does. she has written a whole book about it. And it's a great read. If you want to really dig into the nitty gritty of mom, not just momfluencer culture, but the ways in which kind of social media has created this world of performative behavior for income. Like it's, it's just fascinating. Um, and the different sex of not sex, but the different kind of corners of influencer culture in the parenting mm-hmm. space. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just fascinating. We had a great chat. We had a really great chat with her. So here is Sarah. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, look, I don't know about you, but when I hold on to some negative feelings, it really starts to impact my day to day. I get a little snippy and short with the people in my life. Things start to really feel overwhelming. And look, it's just generally not great for me or for the people that I am interacting with. And I do find that my time in therapy is a real safe space to get those things off my chest and figure out how to work on and work through things that are weighing on me Mm. or maybe weighing on you. For example, like I have actually really been working on mindfulness in therapy. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Easier said than done, but that's the work, right? Like just learning about kind of like really creating a breathing practice and paying attention to my physical body and my feelings. Therapists are trained to help you figure out the cause of challenging emotions and to learn productive coping skills. If you're thinking about trying therapy, Try BetterHelp. It's convenient and accessible anywhere because it is 100% online. All it takes to get started is filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you're not vibing with the therapist, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Forever35 today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, 
H-E-L-P.com slash forever35. You know, one thing I think is really kind of interesting about skin, my skin, but all skin, is that like what it needs now in my 40s is not what I needed in my 30s. Totally. Definitely not what I needed in my 20s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like, how are you supposed to know what your skin needs? It's hard. It's hard to know. Especially when there's just like so many products out there. The overwhelm is real. It's a struggle to even know how to get the results you want, what products to start with. This is why we're super excited to partner with Apostrophe. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed medications that are clinically proven to help. I have used Apostrophe. I love it. They will pair you with a board-certified dermatologist who literally creates a personalized treatment plan for your skin. I have done this a few times now. It is so easy to do their online consultation. You upload photos. And like within a few weeks, I had done a consultation and received my treatment plan and my product. Amazing. And that is how I became a Tretinoin gal. I love the Tretinoin that they sent me. I love their sunscreen. Both products have been amazing on my skin. And you, Forever 35 listeners, can get a special deal from Apostrophe. You can get your first visit for only $5. That's at apostrophe.com slash forever35 when you use our code forever35. Now that is a savings of $15. I like that. This code is only available to Forever 35 listeners. So to get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash forever35 and click get started. And then use our code forever35 at sign up and you will get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. I am the first to admit that gift giving is not easy for everyone. It's taken me a long time to become like a halfway decent gift giver. But what I have learned is that the best way to win the gift giving game is to gift memories. Ooh. And you know how you do that, Kate? I'm I'm ready. I'm listening. The Aura digital mm-hmm. frame mm-hmm. preloaded with decades of family photos. We when have gifted you, this to yes. many people. And when you gift this, your family will love looking back on childhood memories and seeing what you're up to today. Even better, with unlimited storage and an easy-to-use app, you can keep updating the frame with new photos. So it's really the gift that keeps on giving. It's super easy to set up. It takes literally two minutes. You download the app. You set up the Wi-Fi. Boom. Boom. You're good to go. Yep. We have given this to my parents. We've given Mm -hmm. this to Matt's parents. Mm -hmm. Same, same. It's so easy because you can add photos from the app like anytime you want. And also like my brother has the app so he can add photos from his family. My sister has the app, so she can add photos. My parents also have it. So they also add their own photos. That is one of the coolest parts, I think, of the Aura Frame is that everybody can contribute. Yes. I love that about... Uh, we have two Aura Frames in our house. I have Ooh. one in my office and yeah, and one in our family room. And do my they kids have, love it. Do they have the same pictures on them? No, they have different pictures. <gasps> Ooh, oh, mm-hmm. that's interesting. Maybe I should get one for my office. I'm looking at a picture of my in, children right now. Right. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Putting that away for later. Store that. Yes. Uh, the Aura app lets you share photos more securely than with email, which is what many other digital frames require. And also then you're not taking up your email storage. 
So win-win. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Forever 35 listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code FOREVER35 at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. I think it's safe to say that we have suffered through bras. We've been uncomfortable in them. We've devoted whole episodes to finding good ones. But I'm here to say enough is enough. 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 I mean, Dory, have I ever told you? Have I ever told you what I did in college when I needed a bra to wear with a fancy dress? What? I cut the top of pantyhose and then I duct taped that to my chest. Oh, that sounds uncomfortable. Because <laughs> I, I didn't have honey love when I was in college. No. Well, we are here to say no more being uncomfortable. With no. Honey, no. With Honey Love's bras, you will wonder why it took so long to make something so comfortable and so supportive. There's no underwire, but through some kind of wonderful magic, they managed to not sacrifice lift all while making it in a fabric that's so comfortable, you barely know it's there, especially the crossover bra. I wear one of these almost every day. I'm wearing one right now because it's so comfortable and it easily fits into my life. But if you like a breathable and versatile legging, Honey Love has you covered on that front too. Plus, they have tanks, shapewear, and their V-bra that has molded cups still without the underwire to keep you from getting that dreaded uniboob effect other more relaxed bras tend to give you. So treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After your purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we send you. Treat yourself to Honeylove because you deserve it. Sarah, welcome to Forever 35. I mean, I, I can't think of anybody... I want to talk to you more about <laughs> mom influencing than you. We're so excited to have you here. I am so excited to be here. I'm so psyched. So um, in the spirit of the show, we always ask folks to share a self-care practice. Um, and I'm excited to hear yours, if you don't mind sharing, especially because I do think you know it's interesting coming from someone who studies the ways in which self-care is kind of monetized and sold in the influencer space. So Mm -hmm. how do you approach self-care? What is one of your favorite self-care practices that you have? Okay. So one of my favorite self-care practices that is not aspirational at all and not hinged to a particular product, I guess it is actually hinged to a product, but it can be any brand of this product. Um, Earplugs in the morning is like a huge, huge game changer for me. Um, I have three kids, they're children, so they are loud. Um, and I am not a good morning person. I like to be in my cozy corner by myself. I don't like anyone to talk to me. And like my kids now understand that I'm a grouch in the morning and mostly avoid me aside from my almost four year old. (laughs) But like I come down, I have the ear pods in the earplugs in, I go to my nook in my couch, I have my tea, I flip open my laptop, and it's just a much softer way to start the day. I don't listen, like, you know, they're watching their shitty shows, the big kids will turn on the TV immediately in the morning, I don't have to listen to their shows. And I just really appreciate it. Can I ask you, do you have a preferred 
brand of earplug. Yes. Okay, because I am I've bought some because apparent I like utter quiet, especially to work. Yeah. Do you have a recommendation? What is it? So they're Flint, F-L-E-N-T. Um, they come in a big plastic like jug and they're purple. And I've been using Flint for several years and they're still going strong. So these are like a soft yep. little ear, like foam earplug. You, okay. you like roll them okay. and then mm-hmm. wedge them in. Mm-hmm. I love that moment. <laughs> I love that moment when everything goes quiet. Yes. yes. I also am a big earplugs fan. I wear them to sleep. Same. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm right there with you. <laughs> I have not worn them in the morning, though. That's like a, that's an interesting. Well, it's like because I transition move. from sleep, like, you know, I wear them to sleep and I just don't take them out. I just go downstairs mm. with them still in. Wow. Yeah. Do okay. your kids, do your children know that you have earplugs <laughs> in or your partner? I don't yes. know if you are partnered, but like, do the folks in yes. your home Oh yeah. No. Oh yeah. Okay. And I mean, don't get me wrong. They'll come over to me. Like I'm kind of off to the side and the main chaos is happening elsewhere. They'll come over to me and they'll start talking and I can't hear them. And I'll begrudgingly take the things out to hear like, what's hot lunch today or whatever it is. Or did you write me an after school note to go to so-and-so's house? So I will take them out if necessary, but I, I put them back in. I love that. I do too. What a nice little boundary you can set up for yourself. And my family, I kind of do this with my noise canceling headphones. Um, and it does help. Like it does just like there's a, like the audio boundary is actually very powerful, yes. right? Like giving yourself that, mm-hmm. that stop gap, if you will. Yeah. No, audio like sensitivity, I just am increasingly aware of as I age. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, especially now, like my, sorry, and then we can move on to your no, book. Never <laughs> um, but now that my Apple watch tells me when I'm in a loud environment. Oh my gosh. Oh, I don't know I'm about like, this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. It like, you get a little notification. That's like, it's basically like you're in a loud environment. Like seat covers. Yeah, like, what, what do you do? I mean, well, right. There's no like real call to action. It's more just like. By the way, you're yes. probably damaging your hearing. <laughs> I had that happen. I was at a, I was at concerts all weekend, and every night my watch just kept going off, and I was like, "I have earplugs in. Like, leave me yeah. alone." Right? Apple Watch, but obviously you can't. You don't have a <laughs> two way dialogue. It's right. not a not, not a even thing. an AI. Yeah, yeah. yeah. no, <laughs> not a thing. Um, Sarah, can we talk a little bit about how you, as a journalist, a writer, a, a curious person, got interested in the space uh, of momfluencing? Like, what was the, and I know you talk about this in your book, but for, for our listeners, what was the first moment that you had where you were like, huh, okay, <laughs> yeah, I'm interested in this? Yeah, I mean... I think I've always been fascinated with maternal imagery and the power of it. Um, I remember back in the day, there was a paparazzi photo of Gwyneth Paltrow, Chris Martin, and baby Apple. Um, I don't know if this is going to evoke anything. but Yeah, they were coming out of the hospital or whatever. It was like the first shot of them with baby Apple. And Gwyneth is in like a flowy white top. Um, Chris Martin is gazing adoringly at her. And it's just this perfect snapshot of bliss, or at least, you know, that's how I interpreted it at the time. I didn't have kids the first time I saw that photo. But it was just like, I want that. I became very aware 
Like, I want this whole thing. Um, and just that sense of desire, especially as it pertains to motherhood, I think I've always been, I don't know, conscious or unconscious of in my own life. Um, and then, then I discovered, I don't know, I was probably, it was like 2014, 2015. I had a newborn and a toddler and I don't know how I first discovered, um, Naomi Davis's blog, Love Taza, but I did. And this was prior to me even being on Instagram, um, really, but found her blog and she was in the Upper West Side. She had, I think at the time, three kids, um, Juilliard trained, Mormon, uh, adorable freckles, blunt bangs, bright colors. And she just made motherhood look so adventurous and joyful and vibrant. Mm -hmm. And I was not feeling that at the time. I was just... I was really struggling still with, you know, the labor of mothering and the daily grind of it and still trying to locate myself within it all. And so, yeah, I think I've just always looked at these powerful images as sort of blueprints for how to be or how to improve my own day and own maternal identity. Mm. Uh, I mean, Sarah... I first met you because you interviewed me for a piece. I think it was for Real Simple. Uh, in style. In style. Yes. Um, about, I don't even remember exactly what it was, but it was something about how in my book I had talked about how there weren't any real momfluencers who like looked like me. Right. Um, and this image that I had had in my head of being a new parent of just like wearing a long prairie dress and like (laughs) sitting on like having picnics all the time (laughs) with my like cherubic babe and the (laughs) reality was just (laughs) not really that um yeah so you know I that was how I first encountered you. And it was, it, it's been really fun to like read along all of your stuff about momfluencers as like my personal views about them have kind of evolved. Right. Um, you know, and I was hoping we could talk about just like what does, and I should say also a lot of these questions that we're asking you are things that you talk about in your book, which people should read. But, um, can you talk about like, what does it do to our brains to see these images and follow these people and get invested in their lives? Yeah. I mean, the short answer is I don't think we fully know. I think this, this technology is so new. The whole phenomenon of parasocial relationships is still really new. Um, I did, in my research, learn about upward comparison theory and downward comparison theory, which is where we can sort of assess our own values or belief systems by, you know, say I'm consuming like an anti-vax MAGA hat wearing momfluencer. I can consume her content and feel better about, you know, my own politics or, uh, you know, my own feminist beliefs and that's mm-hmm. upward comparison theory. And then downward is where, you know, when I was consuming Taz's content at the time, I think it was, you know, not conscious, but I was sort of, you know, I'm not fun. I'm not a natural mother. I'm not an easy mother, um, which is, you know, downward comparison theory. 
And I think so much of this is unconscious. Um, mm. Like, I think, yes, we can intellectually know when something isn't feeling good or when somebody's content is triggering that type of, you know, I feel shitty about myself because X, Y, and Z. But I think also so many of these images just get stuck in us. Um, mm. Like we, images are so tricky because once you see something, you've seen it and it's in you yeah. somewhere. You can't like erase it from your psyche. Um and that's why I think just, I don't know, maternal, you know, imagistic representations of motherhood hold so much power over us individually and collectively. I appreciate that you saying that because I do feel like, you know, I have certainly felt like shit after my like nonstop consumption of momfluencer content. And it's very easy to just say, well, don't read it or get off the internet or get off Instagram, you know, when these, these things don't make us feel good. But the impact has already been made. And, and I guess we're preventing ourselves from future impact, but it, it's a lot easier said than done yeah. to suggest we get off Instagram, especially when it's um, beyond just following influencers, right? It's like now how we socialize and communicate and also like, present ourselves. Yeah. So do you see any sort of boundary setting, like realistic boundary setting to kind of um, manage the ways in which we project our own shit onto the influencers <laughs> we follow? Right. No, I mean, you're so right to point that out because yeah, like nine times out of 10, if I'm feeling a certain thing about a certain content creator or mom influencer, it's my shit, right? It's not... I chose to click on the app. I chose to follow. Um, but I guess in terms of, I don't know, managing it, I always think, do you guys listen to Poog ever, the podcast? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm obsessed. Um, but they had this episode where uh, I think Kate is talking about like her Instagram addiction and trying to navigate this very real thing of like many of us also need it for work or use it for work. And they were talking about like getting an actual hat, like a cowboy hat or whatever, and putting the hat on when it's time to go into Instagram. Like, I'm going to go in, I'm going to post my shit. I'm going to check on a few people that I think, you know, it's necessary to check on for work or for community or whatever. And then I'm taking my hat off and I'm getting out. Like this very oh like gosh. physical, which I thought was I so, right? Like it's so, I thought mm -hmm. it was so funny and actually could be really useful. Um but I don't know. I think everybody's thresholds are different. Um, I, I have experienced, I mean, experimented a lot myself with breaks. And I'm always sort of despondent about how much better I feel when I'm off mm. of social media. Because it is, I think, a part of our lives and not going anywhere. And it is so hard to know our own boundaries, to locate our mm. own boundaries, to figure out a way where we can interact with it on a regular basis without getting sucked in. Um, it's just constant like self-interrogation, I think. <laughs> Which is hard. Yeah. I mean, I think the yeah. thing that I have I have really had to come around to is that I am doing the projecting onto the thing mm -hmm. and not necessarily the other way around, although that is how it feels. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that is 
really hard. And I, and I don't think that's my fault necessarily. I think it's kind of just the, the ways in which social media operates. And, and that I find extremely challenging as we kind of explore these different, you know, representations of motherhood, personhood, womanhood, all the things, yeah. right? Like, uh, a lot of it is me, but it doesn't, I don't go into it thinking it's me. I'm like, how dare this fucking person <laughs> right. post this thing and it's making me feel like this. And blah, blah, and, and then all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, mm-hmm. this is coming from me. Mm-hmm. Well, and we're also products of our environment. So it's like, I don't know, so many of us are trained explicitly or implicitly to model ourselves after supposed ideals And I think it comes almost as naturally as breathing in many ways, especially in terms of motherhood, like this ideal of optimal motherhood. And, you know, especially with Instagram, it's like you have so many tools now at your disposal. You can find an expert in anything. So if you can do it, why aren't you doing it? Shouldn't you do it? Mm. You know? On, On the flip side, can I ask like, how do you see reliance on these free social media platforms like Instagram? How does this actually like harm these predominantly women who are making a living as influencers? Cause I think this is like one of the traps of this, right? Like you're like beholden to the whims of Instagram. Right. So, you know, on the, on the other hand, these are folks like making a living, yep. choosing this as a profession. And then like one day the company's like, surprise, now you have to make only videos in order to succeed. You mm-hmm. know, just things like that that seem incredibly kind of unfair and detrimental to the success of women who are already, you know, being marginalized. Yeah, no, totally. Um, I mean, so many of the people I spoke to for the book talked about really diversifying their platforms. Um, a lot of them talked about, you know, creating a Substack or a podcast um, or, you know, another type of newsletter in addition to their Instagram accounts because, yeah, they are completely beholden to the algorithm. And there is no, you know, there's no industry standards. There's no HR. There's, mm-hmm. they're really mm. alone out there. Um And it's such all-consuming work. Like the line between private and public is so blurry. Um, You can't really take breaks because the algorithm will, you know, screw you for that. If you're gone for a week, you know, your posts won't be seen. So almost everyone I talked to struggled with that, always having to be on and always having to perform and always having to be aware of you know, am I sharing too much? Am I not sharing enough? Am I protecting my real self? But am I also sharing my real self? It's just this really, like, impossible line to walk. You know, I feel like there is, there's been more of a backlash lately about influencers posting their kids. And I'm blanking on who it was, but there was a pretty famous influencer who very recently announced that she wasn't going to be posting her kids anymore. Um, Might have been Amber Amber Fillerup-Clark, maybe. Oh, yes. Um, And, you know, I think there's... And I'm also... Like, I've seen on TikTok a lot of children of influencers who are now, like, in their late teens or early 20s talking about the trauma of their parents being influencers and them being sort of, like, fodder for content and also feeling 
pressure from their moms mostly um, to participate in these posts because these were now, you know, supporting the family. Yeah. Um, And I'm just wondering, you know, what you have found in your research um, or kind of what your personal thoughts are on, you know, what, what is the effect that we're seeing on the children of momfluencers and what are the kind of like long-term repercussions for the momfluencing industry um, if the kids get kind of like taken out of the equation? Totally. Yeah. I didn't focus a ton on this in the book um, only because I was primarily interested in, you know, the performance of motherhood and how that impacts moms specifically. But of course, I'm personally, you know, interested in this. Um, yeah. And many of the momfluencers I spoke to, one of them, you know, was very transparent with her kids from early on that she was getting paid for these things. And if they ever didn't want to participate, they just had to say so. And one of her kids did opt out. Um, another one had set up trust funds. Um, and... Yeah, I sort of feel like it's quite doable to quote unquote momfluence without one's children's faces or whatever being, you know, a huge part of it. Because, I mean, of course, there are the accounts where people get invested in children's stories and, you know, want to watch baby Emma grow up or whatever. But I think we're more often than not sucked into the mythology of the mom herself and what she is making Mm -hmm. of her maternal experience, Mm -hmm. which is why to me, I think it's, yeah, I I just feel like it's quite doable to, you know, put the heart over the face or whatever and still very much like talk about your maternal experience without having, you know, these consent issues, um, which, I don't know. I've been thinking about kid actors a lot lately in terms of this whole conversation. Like, sure, you can have a conversation with a five-year-old and say, do you want to do this movie? Does this still seem fun to you? And that five-year-old can say yes, but not have any clear understanding of like what the legacy of this movie they're making might mean for them as an adult. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. I just think consent with kids and media of any kind is like, really tricky. Totally. Yeah, I think about this. My kids have these like favorite, this favorite family of like content creators. And I now watch a lot of their videos with them. And it's, I'm like, how do these kids, like, they have no, it's like, you think they have consent, but they really don't. And like, the pressure they must be under, like, what if one of them was like, I'm done, then what? Right. <laughs> like, it just, and I, I stress about it as I watch these kids, you know, mm-hmm. like trying, doing all these family challenges. Right. Which are very entertaining. Right. So we're just going to take a short break and we will be right back. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners or odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. 
Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com I have a question. Yes. It's kind of like a one word question. And that, that one word question is just ballerina farm. <laughs> I feel like sh- ballerina farm is, it's like a real kind of like Zen diagram gram of like Venn diagram, excuse me, of influencer, mom influencer culture. It's like there's trad wife vibes. There's that big family, kind of the big Mormon influencer culture, mm-hmm. which is very real. There's like the homesteading stuff, but then there's the generational secret wealth that is like kind of disguised. Mm-hmm. Also, she's a thin, attractive white woman. Yeah. What's, I mean, you write about Ballerina Farm, but for folks who aren't familiar with her or for folks who like follow her and are like, huh. Right. What do you think she kind of represents right now? Because I do feel like she is at the peak of influencer culture yeah. at the moment. Yeah. She has like skyrocketed since I first started writing about her. She had like, I don't know, 90,000, 100,000 followers. And now she has over a million. Um, And the central draw for me at first was the sheer volume of children and mm-hmm. her smiling face. Like mm-hmm. those two things I could not, I I just couldn't wrap my head around. Like how, how, how? Um, and one thing I always think about that sort of feels like a poetic uh, distillation of why she's so fascinating is, I have no clue if I could find this now, but there was a post or a series of stories where they were showing the before of the ranch kitchen and it was essentially like, it looked like a 80s or 90s kitchen. Like, I want to say vinyl siding was involved, like Formica counters. Like, it was just very nondescript. And then they completely stripped it down to the studs and, you know, I think put shiplap on that wasn't there to begin with to create this very, like, quote unquote, authentic farmhouse vibe. But it was completely orchestrated to look like an authentic farmhouse. And the same with the um, Aga stove, you know, that Harkins. Oh, the stove. Yes, the $20,000 <laughs> stove. <laughs> like, and even the kitchen, it's like this very bare bones, um, like humble, down to earth. No, f- it's not fussy. It's like the polar opposite of like Kardashian aesthetic, right? Right, right. That's Mm -hmm. very like in your face with the wealth. Like the whole point of Kardashian aesthetic is, you know, money, how much money went into making it look like this. But so much money went into making that ballerina farm aesthetic as well. It's just completely like you're not supposed to see it. You know, you're supposed mm. to feel this sense of naturalness or inevitability when, in fact, it's orchestrated. So that's, mm. I just find that to be 
helpful in unpacking her allure and, you know, the whole account's allure, I guess. Um, could we also talk about an aspect of mom influencing that you discuss in your book that I'm personally sort of obsessed with, which is the the role of mom influencers in the rise of anti-vax and anti-mask sentiment and the sort of like Venn diagram with QAnon. Um, can you talk about sort of like the slippery slope from crunchy mom to anti-vax mom to QAnon mom? And like, how did that happen? Right. Um, why is it happening? Yeah, like, why is this happening? I, and there, I can't remember if it's Joe Piazza. Someone has a term for this that I'm blanking on. Um, it's it's not like pink fluencing, but it's like something like that. And it's some pastel something, maybe. Yes, 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 yes. Pastel. <laughs> I think. Um, what's her name? The woman who does sad beige. Oh, yeah, Haley, Haley. Yes, Haley talks about this. Um, It's like pastel QAnon. It's pastel QAnon. That's what she calls it. it. Yes. Pastel QAnon. Okay, great. Glad we... (laughs) It was like really bothering me that I cannot remember this. Anyway, sorry. Totally. (laughs) No, I am also fascinated by this. Um, And it is such a slippery slope. Um, And I think what's interesting to me is that often these ideologies are grounded in real um, concerns. Like, for example, um, maternal health care is really in need of an overhaul, especially for black moms and other marginalized moms and fat moms. Um, You know, many of these big systems uh, undergirding motherhood are broken and do deserve to be criticized. So many of these granola crunchy moms will start from a place of, you know, I'm really concerned about what's going into my child's body. Um, I don't feel like my maternal authority is being respected or my autonomy is being respected. Mm -hmm. And again, yeah, valid concerns. But then they use that and they weaponize that to, you know, Right. Quote, unquote, do my own research. And Mm -hmm. suddenly maternal authority becomes this thing where, uh, you know, I didn't go to medical school. I know nothing about chemistry or science, but I know that vaccines are full of, quote, toxins. And that's I I guess I think that it's slippery because the root is real. The root concern is real. Yeah. And yeah. And I think it's easy for many moms to relate to feeling disrespected or unseen in, you know, medical settings, um, healthcare settings. Yeah. And I also just think it's a way for moms without available or without easy access to cultural capital to gain cultural capital by upholding themselves as authorities or upholding themselves as free thinkers or, you know, mavericks. Mm. Um, you know, I'm not one of the sheeple. I can think for myself and make my mm. own decisions. Um, yeah, which we all want to be respected as thinkers and as experts in some ways. And, you know, in the, the U.S., mothers are certainly not. Do you see any upside to living life publicly 
online in this way. You know, like I know there was like a Lee from, I know Lee from America is not a parent. Lee from America is like a popular influencer who has since kind of gone offline, but is now like teaching courses on how to stop influencing. Right. Like I, I have, I did not read the recent profile on Lee from America, but like I do think the idea is like, let's get away from this. But then what? Right. You know, like what? <laughs> so I don't know. Are there upsides to being online? Is there a way to do it in a way that you feel is productive for all involved? Or are we kind of uh, maybe shouldn't be here? <laughs> I mean, and also like, sorry to keep no, rambling no, no. here, but like, also I feel like this then this so specifically impacts women. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I will say that social media has democratized um, whose ideas are seen and heard um, mm. in ways that are mm. really important. Um, you know, prior to social media, unless you had a book deal or you had ties to academia um, or it had some other source of cultural entry point, you couldn't create an audience. You couldn't get your ideas out there. Uh, they couldn't be widely accessible. So I think that's important to, you know, remember when we're talking about all of this. Um, like I think of people like Laura Danger. Um, she is huge on TikTok, but also big on Instagram. And her whole platform is talking about um, unequal, you know, gender divisions within the home and drawing attention to that. And she's got like a massive platform and is now writing a book about this and is reaching people in meaningful ways. And without social media, you know, how would she have been able to do that? Um, that being said, I guess like your question about like, can it be simple or good for the person putting out the content? I don't know if it can be wholly simple or good or only positive just because of the thorniness of parasocial relationships, the the necess necessity of having to identify and uphold boundaries um, and to keep some of yourself for yourself, like that just feels so existentially difficult and confounding and, you know, just like one of the big issues of our age, I guess. Um, so I don't know if that answers the question. I guess I just wanted to, point out that it can be this really wonderful force for good and change um, despite it being toxic in many ways and really hard to navigate in so many ways. Well, and you, you talk about this um, a bit in your book and I, I mean, I have had, I'm, I'm not a momfluencer, but you know, I, I have a podcast about infertility and I have seen the ways in which like certain communities can, you know, almost like need someone who can create that community for them. Yeah. Um, because we, I, you know, I can't even tell you how many people we have heard from who say things like, I was not able to talk about my infertility until I started listening to your podcast. And I, yeah. and you talk about that um, with like marginalized communities. And I do think that there is a real power there. Yeah. Um, but it, is it's it just, you know, yeah, I was going to ask you, Go is on. it tricky for you to be, I don't know, the pressure of being that source? Like, I don't know. I always wonder if that's hard oh, totally. to hold. No, and I, yeah, I mean, I, I wrote about this in my book, too, because when you have kind of like <laughs> been 
in the infertility community and then you get pregnant, mm. it brings up a lot of like very complicated feelings for people Yeah, that I was both very empathetic to and also sort of like, well, this is like actually my life. Right. right. You know? <laughs> right. Like you don't have to be happy for me, but also like don't, don't be mad at me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. Um, and there were some people who, you know, made their sort of like dis- displeasure with how I was presenting my pregnancy on social media known. <sighs> yeah. And I was like, I was kind of just like, look, unfollowing is free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You totally. know, like if this content is not working for you, then don't follow it. But also this content, quote unquote, right. is my actual life. Yes. Like, yes. You know? like sometimes we would get emails from people that were basically like, it's taking too long for you guys to get pregnant. Oh my God. Oh my <laughs> and God. I was like, sorry, wow. we haven't like given you the like the, the third act that yeah, you've right. been <laughs> that you've been waiting for. But like, this is my actual life and we're doing this in real time. So you're experiencing <sighs> this. So, so yeah, to answer your question, like, yes, I, do, I did feel that pressure mm-hmm. a lot. Um, so it's, you know, it's complicated, but I was also, I think it was kind of like outweighed by how I, I f- it made, like I felt really good about being able to kind of like give voice to all these people. One final question. You mostly write about Instagram in your book. And I'm wondering if you have thoughts on how momfluencing is different from platform to platform. Like, for example, I feel like for me personally on TikTok, I see a lot of like teen and very young yeah. moms. Yeah. Um, and they don't seem to be as much on Instagram, or at least they're not surfaced for me as much as they are on TikTok. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm kind of fascinated by them just as like a social phenomenon. But I'm wondering if you have seen other kinds of distinctions. Yeah, I will say I'm not like uh, on TikTok, I guess. Um, So I will dip in for like research purposes, but I'm I'm not like a consumer. Um, Just for no reason other than, you know, I just never signed up for TikTok. But, um, but I guess anecdotally, it seems to me that it's much less, less image driven, less, there's less need for polish. Um, And again, this might be reflecting like the own, my own silo, but feels like there's a lot of clear um, advocacy happening on TikTok and very specific Mm -hmm. issues being tackled on TikTok. Mm -hmm. Um, Like very clear, are you struggling with this specific thing? If so, let's talk about it and here are resources. Whereas Instagram, I just always think of narrative and storytelling as being the primary driver of Mm. interest. Um. Yeah. And, but I, I, I have noticed like a lot of younger moms, like morning routine videos seem really huge. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I, and I'm, this is maybe neither here nor there, but I don't do Facebook for anything other than like, I find Facebook is still where the utilitarian mom parenting stuff is. So like if you mm-hmm. need a babysitter, there's the babysitter group in your neighborhood or your community or whatever. I feel like that is still very much like you need Facebook for that type of stuff. But I don't know. That could just be 
community specific. That's a good point, right? Like they are kind of utilized for different things. Mm-hmm. Like our face, our like mom community can all be found on Facebook. Right. Um, but the aspirational stuff and then like the weird educational, you know, like I follow this influencer to learn about how to, you know, make dinner. Yeah. Or <laughs> just all in the other apps. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting. Mm-hmm. Sarah, where can our listeners follow and find you? I have a Substack in pursuit of clean countertops, which is an interrogation of, you know, the cult of ideal motherhood. Um, and I'm on Instagram and Twitter at S Louise Peterson. Well, get momfluenced. The book, not like <laughs> and don't subscribe, go get subscribe to Sarah's Substack. I really, I really yeah, love great. reading it. It's such a great, such a great newsletter. So if you're not subscribed, I highly recommend it. Thank you so much. You know, Dory, I had a thought actually earlier today. It's not quite about um, like momfluencers, but it's about mm-hmm. the way in which social media kind of sabotages my self-care. Oh, like the algorithm. Here's 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 how. For for me, I have tried to set up like so many blinders when it comes to yeah. like diet and fitness culture and all yeah. that kind of shit. Yeah. And if you click on one thing, all of a sudden your feed is flooded. Oh, totally. Yes. Yes. And it yes. really can yeah. um I find like <sighs> set me back in terms of the ways Mm -hmm. and the progress I have made in kind of healing myself. Mm. And I just was noticing it. And I was feeling very kind of angry about that earlier today. So I feel like that kind of plays into the conversation we had with with Sarah. It was just something I noticed. Interesting. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 Well, Dory, how did it go last week with your intention of just getting through your son's fourth birthday party? Well, if you are a subscriber to my newsletter, which is at dory.substack.com, you might have already read my ruminations on Henry's birthday party and just the nature of birthday kids' birthday parties in general. Um, If you haven't read it yet, you can scootaloot on over and check that out. Um, Scootaloot. Scootaloot. Just scootaloot. Scootaloot. Um, But TLDR. It was great. Henry had a blast. He he just looked so happy the whole time. He was so happy. Oh, it was really good. it was really lovely. Bluey showed up. Bluey came all the way from Australia to go to his okay. birthday party. Talk about a celebrity sighting in Los Angeles. <laughs> you know, these kids have seen a lot, okay? These are LA kids. And when I tell you the excitement that these children had when they saw bluey it was it was next level can i ask you kind of just a random nostalgia question yeah do you have any like early memories of the characters that showed up at other people's birthday parties like i remember i went to this girl's birthday party i think her name was sasha it okay. was at McDonald's, which was the hottest place of a birthday party in the 80s. Yep. And a Michael Jackson impersonator showed up. And this must have been like 1985-86. Stop. No. I can like vividly remember it was the most like glamorous, important day of my life between that the McDonald's so party and a Michael Jackson impersonator. That's the only time I ever remember seeing that at a birthday. Like that never happened at my birthday parties. 
Um, I do not recall any characters. I remember going to the ground round and there was a clown. (gasps) Ground. Um, I don't remember any characters ever at a birthday party. I want to get to your intention this week, but I just also want to ask, did you ever do the horrible thing at the ground round where you pay what you wait? Yes. Yeah, pay what you weigh. Uh huh. One of the most fucked up things. I've ever experienced. I had, if you're not familiar, I think it was at once a week, like Monday nights or something, kids could pay what you weighed. So like if you weighed 65 pounds, you paid 65 cents. But like, as you can probably (laughs) gather, this had the potential to like really do a number on some people. Holy, uh, some, all of us. I mean, what a nightmare. What a you, nightmare. There was like a full scale that you could... I don't think I ever did it, but I remember oh, the offering. We did it all the time. <gasps> you did? Yes, we did it all the time. I I have so... I remember going to that so much because it was so cheap. Yes. I mean, it's... It, yes. They also give you free popcorn. That's like my other big memory of the ground round. Ground yeah. round. Good Lord. Does that still exist? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Okay. Wow. What a memory. Um, well, yeah, back we to Bluey. We did a lot. What you weigh. Um, this week, I'm just, I, you know, as discussed in the beginning of the episode, I'm going to finish the playroom. So I've made a lot of progress, but I want to feel like super done with it. Well, um, Kate, what about you? Okay. Mine was just resting and taking it easy because I was at yeah. these concerts all day and then the LA Times Festival books. Wait, excuse me. Concerts all night. And then I was at the LA Times Festival of Books all day last weekend. Well, we and had so a my... conversation about... Ooh. You brought up, what do you do when your self-care is like not restful? Yes. I'm yeah. like, what am I doing to myself? It was so rewarding. But oh. that is why I basically stayed home all weekend this weekend. So I had an amazing okay. time. Fish is... I love fish more than anything in the whole world. I love them so much. Like, I just... Never going to stop loving fish. I had the best time. The concerts were great. I had fun seeing friends. It was so much fun. Scraping outside. Hollywood Bowl is gorgeous. And as mentioned, I met Forever 35 listeners. It was amazing. Amazing. LA amazing. Times Festival Books. Amazing. I got to meet readers, authors that I love. I got to talk about my favorite, mm. other favorite thing in the world, romance. Hang out mm. with friends. See mm. booksellers that I love. I mean, it was just mm. amazing. But all my extroverted wells were drained. Like Mm. I just needed quiet. But I Mm. took it. But I took it. I I mean, and also luckily I was able to take it between like Mm -hmm. work and my partner's work Mm -hmm. and my kids and all that stuff. So very, very felt lucky about that. This week, I'm just going to try. Well, God, you know what? I was about to set this intention and then I remember what the fucking weather is for this week. And it's rain. It is rain. But you know what? I'm going to just try to... Well, I really wanted to sit outside. The Today I sat outside and I worked and I've been reminding myself to go sit outside and read and just spend time outside, Yeah, which I can do here in Southern California. So I'm going to try to do that despite the rainy forecast. Just get outside. I just am so happy getting to sit in the outdoor world. And I don't do it enough. That sounds great. Thanks, friend. You're welcome. Well, everyone, Forever 35 is hosted and produced by me, Dori Shafrir. 
and Kate Spencer and produced and edited by Sam Junio. Sammy Reed is our project manager and our network partners, ACAST. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.